and welcome to another RC Sportscasting Podcast, special Father's Day edition podcast. Don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms on Facebook and Twitter. But uh, today it is Father's Day, not necessarily meaning that you're listening to this on Father's Day, depending uh, when you listen to this podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. Uh, but it is Father's Day, and I thought it would be appropriate to hear on RC Sportscasting to have all three RCs, as I am joined by my father, RC1, Rick Klingeman. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Same to you. And then I also have my son, RC3, Ryan Klingeman. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. So. And the last up. This is, I think, maybe the first time that we've actually maybe had all three of us together. I think you're right. Behind a microphone. So that's another uh, special event, and I think that. We've had Ryan do games with you and stuff, but not all three of us together. I don't even think Um, we've, we haven't done games, but that's, uh, that is the plan is this fall. We are going to, Ryan's going to uh, join our football broadcasting staff as a former Brandywine Bobcat all-conference football player. Um, He's going to be joining the staff along with myself and Mr. Terry Bohr calling Bobcat football. Uh, this fall, so we're excited about that. So his agent and you have arrived at terms and everything. Well, his people are getting with my people. Oh, we're gonna okay, we're, we're gonna All do right. lunch. Right. So, um, but uh, I thought today being Father's Day was was the perfect day to do this to have our inaugural where all three of the, all three RCs are together behind the microphone, and I think we're gonna talk today um, about. Uh, a kind of combination of sports heroes, the, and it really all stems from uh, the goats of sports. And obviously, here lately, um, you know, the, the biggest debate, I, I don't, and I don't know why it's just been this particular sport, um, is the whole LeBron versus MJ, uh, uh, who is the greatest of all time. And, and I don't think that you can actually label really the greatest of all time because every player has have played in different eras under different rules and, and whatnot. So, but I think we'd really would first, instead of really debating, I thought we would just go, I would, I, I'm curious as to go through the three of us and the three generations, you know, from RC growing up and literally growing up really in the 60s, you know, as if when you were a teenager and then, then with me, I, the 80s and, you know, 2000s with Ryan. So, I mean, there's a, a, a very huge eight, Gap. I mean, we, we, we're pretty much covering the gamut almost. Um, we're not going quite back to Babe Ruth days with RC1, you know, but uh, we go back a little bit. The Babe Ruth? Yeah, the Babe Ruth. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. You're not, that, you're not that old, Pops. <laughs> so I've been known for Babe Ruth baseball, but not the actual player. So I guess we'll start with you, Dad, is, is when you were – and like I said, not necessarily just from your whole life and when you were thinking of athletes, but I'm just curious as to, like, when you were in middle school and high school and, and you played sports, who were all the, the athletes that come to your mind that you and your buddies would, like, talk about in school or, I mean, obviously, you know, would try to watch on TV or listen to on the radio? I mean, there was probably still a lot of radio stuff that you didn't watch a lot of probably. I mean – sports on TV, but who are the athletes that come to your mind that you really, first ones that you really remember that you kind of, I don't know, maybe idolized, but just remembered and, and watching? I think in my era, I think football probably would have been, uh, quarterback wise, like Johnny Unitas, 
running back-wise would have been Gale Sayers from the Bears. Uh, Dick Buckus was, of course, big, you know, even though our Bears fans, but still, regardless who they played for, they were they would have been for whoever they played for. Uh, that's pretty much in football. Uh, basketball. Wow. Of course, my day, that goes back before Michael days. He was still in college then. <laughs> he was even, I mean. Well, yeah, he was probably still in high school. Yeah, see, now you're, no, yeah. 60s, I don't think he was even, he was, he was a little one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're probably back in the Bill, I mean, did you ever watch Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain play on television? Yeah, I, I wasn't that huge of a basketball fan. Right. But, uh, oh, the big ones that stand out, but still, that was latter part, was, of course, Magic and Bird. They, they were the biggest. What about baseball? Uh, oh, boy, baseball. Uh, Ernie Banks. He was a he was just a local favorite. Ernie was the good guy. Right. I think any place you grew up, everybody was an Ernie Banks fan. You didn't have to be just a Cubs fan. Ernie was just a good guy. Um I'm trying to think who else in baseball coming to mind. These are good questions. You don't think about these. Especially going back in my days. And you guys probably don't even know some of the ones I'm thinking of. You've heard of Ernie Banks. <laughs> I actually have not. He's probably the biggest cup player. See, and that's and that right there is the whole stem of. I right. mean, for somebody to go, how in the world could you not heard of Ernie Banks? But I mean, you know, Ryan's tw- twenty two years old. Yep. Um, you know, so he was like Mister Cup. He was the. Then, that's what he was. He was literally. Yep. He is the most beloved Chicago Cub to ever play the game for the for the Cubs and really for the game of baseball. I mean, he was. Unquestionably, Harry Carey was the broadcaster. Right. Uh, but that's been for many a decade. You know, and then I even think, too, I mean, I'll, I'll maybe help you out a little bit, R.C., is with in baseball. I mean, the big red machine of the Cincinnati Reds, but that was you were probably even more of an uh, adult then. That was like in the Johnny 70s. Johnny Bench, Pete Rose. Yeah, but those were more those in like were big, yeah. those were through like the mid part of the 70s, which, I mean, that's when I was a little, you know, right. you were already in your adult life. Yeah. You know, but I guess, well, let me ask you this. I mean, how big was... Baseball Mickey Mantle. Do you remember the first game you watched? I mean, when when did sports on television become very popular? I mean, was it, like, were you, when you were, like, real young, do you remember listening to a lot of games on more on radio versus television? And do you kind of remember the switch to oh, where... Oh, I can tell you specifically how I became a Chicago Bears fan. It was nothing because we live closest to Chicago... I, two years in a row, I won the punt, pass, and kick competition. And the one year that I won uh, the overall championship, I won a Chicago Bears football jacket. And when I wore that, wore that all the time, that's how I became a Chicago Bears fan, just, just wearing that. Not because Chicago is the closest to us or whatever, but uh, that's how I became a big Bears fan. And everything followed from there, from Gail Sayers to... Oh, my gosh, right up the line. Well, that kind of leads you right into to where in my era, um, where I'll, I'll kind of take the reins. You know, obviously, you know, I was born in 1972. Really didn't, by the time, I, I think it's it's natural for really a kid really to get about to be 8 to 10 years old before they kind of start getting into sports and they kind of, you know, start following it. And, and that I think it was, ironically, the first football football game. I ever remember watching would have probably been in 1980 
I think would have been the Super Bowl between the Raiders and the Eagles, which I don't really remember. I just remember it being on TV. But I specifically remember my first ever Notre Dame game that I ever watched, which would have been in 1980, was the Notre Dame-Michigan game. Obviously, it was at your house. You were watching the game, and Harry Oliver kicked a 51-yard mm-hmm. uh, field goal with no time left to to beat to upset Michigan, and that was the first Notre Dame game that I could ever remember. Um, I remember the first game under Lou Holtz. You actually uh, took me to that game. We were actually in attendance uh, once again against Michigan back in 1986. Um, I remember my very first Bears game I ever watched was – once again, sitting in the living room with you, Dad, watching it on Thanksgiving Day. They were playing the Detroit Lions. And the only thing I remember about the game was Always it, played the Lions. It, w- it went into overtime, and the Bears won the, the flip, and they kicked it to Dave Williams, number 22, I believe, and it returned the kickoff back for a touchdown. Game was over. Mm-hmm. And that was the first um, Chicago Bear game. So, But as far as athletes go, I mean – Obviously, for me, I mean, anybody that knows me, and it's even trickled down to Ryan, I mean, Walter Payton was my idol. I mean, he's, in my mind, if, when, when you talk about the, the goats of football, he's, I'm always going to be prejudiced um, and favor Walter just because that's who I lived and breathed watching. Um, but it's did I also. I mean, who di- I mean, who couldn't? But, I mean, you still look at, I mean, Joe Montana. You know, I got to watch him. I got to watch Jerry Rice. I got to watch Deion Sanders. I got to watch um, a little. I got to watch the kind of the tail end of the steel curtain with the Steelers, with Bradshaw and Jack Lambert and all that. That, that was kind of right. Steelers when, and the Cowboys. Yeah, was a huge w- rivalry. Right, and, and I think honestly too, I think the one of the other first NFL games I specifically remember watching too was in '81. Um, another game was was the 49ers. Cowboys NFC Championship game with the catch with Dwight Clark. That mm-hmm. was one I, I vividly the re- catch. Yeah, vividly remember watching that. How many times do you think that's been rebroadcast? Yeah, um, basketball wise, obviously, you know it's it's you know no, I'm not going to say it's Michael Jordan because growing up a big Notre Dame fan, you know I my first I, I really got into Notre Dame I think more so than professional sports so. My biggest, some of my biggest first Notre Dame heroes were, and going into basketball was that that trio with Kelly Trapuca and Orlando Woolridge and Tracy Jackson, John, uh, Paxson. John Paxson, and Woolridge mm-hmm. was one of my. He got he gets drafted by the Chicago Bulls, mm-hmm. so then that that's what actually then propelled me then to start watching the NBA was then to watch these Notre Dame guys because Woolridge went to the Bulls. Um, Trapuca went to the Pistons. Tracy Jackson, he kind of uh, he went to the Celtics, but he just never really had uh, the NBA career that that Trapuca and Woolridge had. So, but then obviously I was already a Bears fan, so I naturally then you know with Woolridge, that's when I be started watching Chicago Bulls. And then obviously in 1984, you know here he comes, you know Michael Jordan, and then the rest is history. I mean we can sit here and talk. Jackson was with the Bulls yeah, too. Yeah, and then. We can sit here and talk for hours um, about MJ, you know. So, um, you know, baseball-wise for me, it starts with Ryan Sandberg. You know, the 84 Cubs was the, probably the biggest influence in me um, from, a, from a baseball standpoint. I was right in the middle of, you know, playing Little League Baseball at the time. I, I think the, most, the thing I remember the most about the 84 Cubs, for all you Cub fans out there, is that our principal at the time um, – 
when I was in elementary, middle school, was a huge diehard Cub fan. And Sir he would, Spiker? Yeah, Ned <laughs> Spiker. And he would literally play the games on the radio during school. Like So if they had a Cubs game on during the afternoon, he would have it on the PA system. We'd be sitting there in class listening to Chicago Cubs baseball. Yeah, I can't say that I, we had anything like that. No. So we'll transfer that now to you, Ryan. I mean, as – when once you got into sports, what are your who who pops into your mind? Well, for me, um, as a little kid, I don't remember much of watching football. If you're talking around, you know, before the age of ten years old, I remember watching bits and pieces of you know Notre Dame games. But for the most part, that was you know Jimmy Clausen <laughs> days, and you weren't too happy. And most of the time, you were yelling in the living room. So that was my cue to stay in my room. So I didn't really watch much of it. But the first, no, I think it was around like 10 to 12 was when I really distinctly remember watching my first games um, for Notre Dame wise. It was, you know, my first, my first idol was Golden Tate because my first Notre Dame game you took me to um, besides the drunk guy falling on top of me and spilling his beer. Um, I remember the Golden Tate catch when um, he jumps up and he catches it and he gets spun all the way around. There's a certain catch from Go- that Golden Tate had. Um, my first Bears game I remember watching was um, it was I think it was the NFC Championship against the Packers, and I we were Ugh. at the Elks Club I think watching yep. that. Yep, we were. And <laughs> every- it's when Cutler went down at halftime, and yep. And then um, who, do you remember who it was? It was a lineman that pick sixed it to end it. Remember oh, that, that was. Uh, was it Gilbert Brown? No, I don't think that sounds right. I mean, I, I'm no. I, I, but I remember though. I vividly remember the play, and it was. Um, I'm, I'm wanting to say it was. Was it Caleb Haney? Was our quarterback came in, or was it? Uh, and I want to say it was Caleb Haney that came in as, as Cutler's backup. But I, I just, I, at that point, I remember it was just a big party at the. At the at the Elks Lodge, you know, with the Bears. I mean, who would have ever thought that you would have had the Bears and the Packers for the for the, with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line? I mean, you can't you can't ask for anything better than that, especially on the NFC side. On the AFC side, you'd have to have like the Raiders and Chiefs. I mean, those are two of the biggest rivalries in all of sports. But what and about what about baseball? Baseball, um, really, the only ones I can really remember. I mean. I wasn't a huge baseball fan. I played baseball as a little kid, but I didn't really watch it that much. So the only people that I really remembered from baseball was, you know, Alex Rodriguez and Derek Jeter and um, there's others I just can't name off the top of my head. I know I know way more players now than I did as a kid. It's too bad those but, guys never made it. <laughs> um, NBA-wise, I remember um, – I started to remember watching Bulls games – so when I was a kid, I only I started watching Bulls games, and uh, I remember bits and pieces of Derrick Rose. But the the game that I distinctly remember was when Derrick's Derrick Rose went down with that first knee injury. And um, but yeah, as players from I've got an interesting thing that I can remember from um, from back then with with Jeter. I literally broadcasted the game when he played against Niles. He was playing uh, high school it at was Kalamazoo at, Central. It was at Thomas Stadium, right? At Thomas Stadium. Yeah. I, and I broadcasted that game. 
And I was thinking back, you know, at the time, you know, we were thinking, can you believe what we're seeing right now or what will be? Probably, you know, without a doubt, one of the top five greatest baseball players ever. It's crazy to think about Thomas Stadium. I mean, I oh, I played on the same field that Derek Jeter did in high school. Oh, but when that started all, off, Ryan, it we was, all have. You it, know, you and I played. Yeah. Your grand, your grandpa here coached. Yeah, it uh, started off as nothing. Yeah, and then all of a sudden we had to build a facility that held seventy five hundred people, because at that time we were in the running for hosting a World Series. And you had to meet certain criteria with the Babe Ruth organization out of New Jersey. Uh, when they looked at Niles, Michigan, like you had to be able to house so many people. Because with the Babe Ruth program, which is an outstanding program in the, su- in the summer, that, uh, you know, you're all hosted by parents. Like when you go away to a tournament or whatever, you don't go and stay with your parents. You stay with host parents. And you usually have four or five players that stay with one family. And it becomes more of a family-type thing, which I always thought was, was very – that's what I enjoyed about Babe Ruth baseball was just the philosophy of that. But that was just kind of curious that you bring up about Jeter. And, and here we uh, watched him broadcasting at that time and never thought in a million years, do we, do we really understand what we're seeing here, who, what this guy will become? And yeah, I mean, besides that, I mean, football-wise, I can name off, I think – I think my era of watching the game was an era of quarterbacks. I mean, Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. You know, guy, those are the guys that I grew up watching. Uh, Brett Favre a little bit. Um, then, you know, Adrian Peterson, Matt Forte, Brian Urlacher. You know, um, basketball. Derrick Rose, probably obviously the one that I remember the most. And then Kobe Bryant. Um, I remember Steve Nash was big, too. Dirk Nowinski, that's who I remember watching. Um, it's interesting. Yep. I remember Jer- the player, do you know who Jeremy Lin is? Do you remember him at all? Lin Sanity. Yeah, I remember watching I know him. your grandfather's not going to remember him. That, no, was, that, was a, that was literally, if you look up the, the definition of flash in the pan, I think you could put Lin as, as in the dictionary as a flash in the pan because he was literally a flash in the pan where he was – you know, the the talk of New York for maybe six months, and then he's gone. Yeah. He, he, I, <laughs> Nothing ever happened. I only remember a short time watching him. He right. was, you know, he was going off in every single game that he played, and then he vanished. Yeah. One but, hit wonder. You know, and going back to my era as far as uh, the NBA, I mean, obviously it wasn't just – I mean, I, I feel like I have been – and this is why I will always be prejudiced, you know, with the whole MJ – LeBron debate because I mean I don't even there's a lot of other people that I would put over LeBron even taking MJ out of the equation I mean I I got to grow up watching the likes of not only Michael Jordan but Magic Johnson Larry Bird Dr. J uh, the Mm. bad I mean the entire bad boys not just Isaiah Thomas which I mean even though we all couldn't stand them as Bulls fans I mean you had to respect what they did um, you know Uncle Ron, Uncle Ron, your brother, lived in Detroit for many years, and he was a huge Detroit Pistons fan. Um, so we always got a little bit of, of a rivalry going just with, with us when we would when we would visit Uncle Ron and, and a little trash talk in between, you know, just Bulls and Pistons. Um, you know, and, and – but, again, it's and – and like I said, I'm, I'm trying not to get into the whole rabbit hole of, of LeBron versus MJ because it, – It's going to happen. 
It's going to happen, it's but it, it was such a different era and rules, and, and that's why, I mean, I, I, I'll go to de- – I try to listen to people and, and the kids your age because most people – I guess what really gets me and, and we're, the person that I would really love to have on is an individual who is my age that still believes that LeBron's a better player than Michael was. And I'm like, that's that's who I would really would love to go to war with. Well, you can go to war with uh, Callan Cowherd because <laughs> he believes that pretty well. Yeah. I just don't think LeBron – RC, I mean, you and I watched many, all those Bulls games. You know, I mean, to me, when the Bulls finally got over the hump beating the Pistons was more, I think, rewarding than when they actually won all six championships because – it took so many years to get – I mean, we got our butts kicked, and then we each year we would take the Pistons a little bit further and get a little closer, and then we finally got over that hump and we finally beat them. That was a better feeling for me than when we won, you know, six titles in eight years. Yeah, the rest was history after that. Um, but, but I can remember Michael. I can remember when he was a Tar Heel. Oh, yeah, for when sure. When he played for North Carolina, that's when he was big for his three years – well – but I would. He's only there two years because he left as a junior. Well, I mean, with the whole Michael LeBron debate, and I always hear everybody talking about stats and how LeBron has way more stats than him. And well, I mean, how many more years in the league does LeBron have than Michael did? Yeah. And then plus, not only that, but you also take the four years that, or three, four or three years that MJ was in college rather than in the NBA. You know, LeBron went right to the NBA out of, out of high school. So that's more years on his belt. Yeah. And then you have – But you can't really put st- – I mean, I don't ever want to hear people put stats into the category. Well, um, because, And I say that because – and this is where it started again this year is because LeBron became the all-time leading scoring leader of the NBA. Well, he didn't pass Michael, jo- Michael Jordan for that title. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had that record. Yeah. Nobody has ever – there's never been a debate of – who was the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? There's never been that debate, but now it hadn't been. A, it wasn't a stat thing. No, it wasn't. It was and, just the player, but, who they were, the personality, what, and everything else. But what people have done today, though, and defend the LeBron lovers, they have taken that. Well, now since he's the all-time leading scorer, now they're throwing that, thinking that they can add that into their hat for, for or a, a, another a bullet into their chamber to defend why he's the greatest of all time. And I just don't. Me personally, the whole thing with me with my, uh, that separated not only Michael, but when you look at the greatest in all sports, I mean, when you look at the Mount Rushmore of just sports figures and, and kind of combining them all, I mean, me, obviously, Michael Jordan is, is on there. You got to put Tom Brady on there. You have to put Tiger Woods from golf, which we haven't even brought up in, in the sport of golf yet. Um, Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. But the thing that those guys had, their level of competitive, their will, their will to compete with those guys was just so far superior than what we see today. And what really drives me insane, and this is why I don't watch today's NBA, and, and is because this whole load management where all these players – are wanting to take these days off because they're just tired. They want to rest themselves. Could, RC, can you ever imagine 
Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird saying, hey, I need to take today. I, I don't want to play against Michael tonight. I, I need the night off. Never in a million years. Those guys played happened. all, if, unless they were injured, they played all 82 games of the regular season. They never took time off. I, rem- I remember Kobe playing on a broken foot or yes. a broken ankle. And, and Kobe, I was not a Kobe fan because I thought he was very arrogant. But now since, obviously, not since he's been gone, gone, but even since he retired from the league, you know, before, you know, the tragedy with, with him, I still. There were several players if in that era with Kobe. It if there's anybody, Kobe if there is anybody that you could have pulled out of the newer era of NBA and put them back into the, into the mid eighties, Kobe, Kobe could have, right. Kobe would have still been Kobe back in, in, in the golden right. era. As far as the NBA goes, um, the player that I think about most when I think about watching basketball as a kid would probably be Kobe. And the play in the game that I remember the most was Kobe's last game at the Staples Center when he scored 62 points in his last game ever. And I'll ask you RC what and I I I was about to ask you then I got side I sidetracked myself but how much would you get cuz I always say this to people. I would give I think a week's paycheck to if you could create a time machine and what and have LeBron James drive the paint against Bill Lambeer and the bad boys of the of Detroit. I mean, can you just imagine him playing in a game, going up against the bad boys and how how physical they were? There'd have been he, a lot he, of blood. He would have been in the locker room in a in the shower stalls, sitting down, sucking his thumb by halftime because he would not have been able to mentally mentally handle the abuse that the that the bad boys would have given. And then, like oh, I said. I nobody hated the bad boys of the Detroit Pistons more than I did. I desp- I hated them with every fiber of my being. That's why they got the name. But as I've gotten older and now I respect the hell out of them, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I enjoy watching, you know, like the thirty for thirty on on the the Fab or not the Fab Five, but the the bad boys was a great documentary talking to all of them, and and you can do nothing but respect. So I mean, I when we talk about the greatest. We've talked a lot about basketball. I mean, we've when you look over to football, you know, you've got to – we're all naturally compelled to say Walter was the greatest of all time. I, I think as, as, far as, Mike, as far as Walter goes, I think Coach Mike Dicka always said it best that he maybe not, might not have been I, the best running back ever, which I agree. I think Barry Sanders – is the best ever running back, just mm-hmm. pure running back and, and playing the position of running back. But I think Walter – but Walter was the greatest football player because he did so much more. Walter – He was a dedicated individual. He blocked. He caught passes. Oh. He could he could throw – he went in as an emergency quarterback. He's, he punted. I mean, he did everything. He was – if you had to put him in on defense, he would have went in and got – Ten tackles on defense. I mean, that was just how Walter was. He could play any position. Yes. Any. But and then you look at Tom Brady. I mean, Tom. Not only does yes, he has the rings, and and Grant, he probably had a, a great supporting cast, and he had one of the greatest coaches. But Tom's another one. He has that MJ, Tiger, that will to compete. That he just refused to lose. And when things went wrong, he was livid. I mean, his will to compete is what set. You know, Tom was by far nowhere near the most talented from a skills. Oh, he you know, never with I, speed or arm strength or whatever. No way, but his will to compete is what drove him. Tom did everything he did without 
he, I never saw him as having, you know, a pro athlete body. He didn't have that athleticism. It was just all to use his arm and his IQ to get everything he had. It was just who he was. Yeah. He was dedicated. Like, I, I would put him in a boat like Walter Payton. A very, when I think of Walter Payton, number one thing that comes to my mind is dedication. That guy, would he would have played 12 hours out of every day played football. And when he played, I mean, he gave it his all. I mean, absolutely anything. Hurt. Just like our, ta- our tattoo that, on our exactly arms. exactly right. Never die easy. That's Walter's yep. motto. Uh, I've never liked tattoos, but I can live with that one. But then you look, too, at Joe Montana. I mean, Joe Montana was so his, – his thing, which, you know, Ryan, you never really got the opportunity to watch him. But, I mean, he's still one of the greatest. We, we talk about Tom Brady being with his, his intensity and the will to compete. Joe was that way, too, but Joe was just so cool, calm, and collected. I mean, he just – nothing rattled him. He and, was, and he started in college. Yeah. At Notre Dame is when he became – it wasn't just pro – I don't think we would have uh, known Montana if it wasn't for his play at Notre Dame. And I, and I think, too, one the of the games he came in and just came from behind to win. and One of the greatest ever, too, in my mind, is, is Jerry Rice. I mean, I, I hated the 49ers, oh. but, but Jerry Rice was just, I mean, and I'm talking not just receiver. I'm yep. talking football player all around. You know, he, I, I think you got to put him on Mount Rushmore of, of the NFL. And, um you know, I, and you look back in your day, RC. I mean, you, you you mentioned Gale Sayers. I mean, his career was short. I mean, he only played nine years, and then he blew his knee out. I mean, mm-hmm. if he would have had a, a traditional career, you know, who knows what the yardage he, he could still be holding the record. He could have people could still be chasing him as the all-time leading rusher. Because I think if he would have had a traditional time-wise career, I think he would have probably been what Walter would have been chasing versus Jim Brown. He would have been, he would have broke Jim Brown's record and then moved. I think that's what. Um, Jim Brown was pretty yeah. much the ultimate when I was, he was, he was just a phenomenal. He just stood out. I put him where Michael Jordan is in, in basketball uh, that he was. I mean, as far as I'm going in basketball, uh, I don't think I, you I can put, put Jim, Mike on any plates, but one or two. I I, I never run. obviously I I never watched Jim Brown, but I I know of I've seen enough about him to where I think you've got to put him in the likes with like Muhammad Ali to where it went beyond the sport that he played. I mean, he became a, a, an impact like with him with black rights movements and stuff, and and, and became a very big actor. Yes, but I mean, there's. Jim Brown went way beyond the game of football. Yes. And so and everybody in the – and I guess what I'm saying is everybody in the universe knew who Jim Brown was. Some right. pe- and some people didn't even know he was a football player. Right. Just like Muhammad Ali. Everybody knows. Did you know who he was, Ryan? Jim Brown? Jim Brown. Yeah, I knew who Jim Brown was. Well, okay, but I'm saying we're, we're going well, back. That's a legitimate, no, that's, that's yeah. a legitimate question to ask, you know, a 22-year-old is if you ever knew Jim – I mean, you didn't know Ernie Banks – Jim Brown was older than Ernie Banks. I mean, they were kind of the same era, so that just shows you how big of a of an impact Jim Brown was, and that he's always going to be, you know, on that on that elite list as well. He was alone the top in his days. There yeah. wasn't a handful of players like that. It was Jim Brown. Yep, he was the pinnacle of the football players. And uh, then you lo- and then now you look at 
as far as having when you get into the when you when you look into the subject or the rabbit hole of just you know going beyond their sport i mean tiger woods is right there i mean what tiger woods has done for golf and for you know and 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 for all of the the young black kids coming up and getting you know more and more younger black kids to into the game of golf i mean it's been unbelievable and he's he's another one to where everybody on the on the universe knows who tiger woods is you know and then shows you the the impact that he's had um i think it's funny too that when we talk about all these debates of who the greatest is in each of the respective sport you don't find that really there's never been a heated argument in baseball because when you sit there i mean it's so hard to really think about the greatest of all time in baseball because and i think there a lot of it so many and i think a lot of it though too though is baseball is a game to where one man can't take a game over. Exactly. Like, like, especially basketball. I mean, and basketball is the easiest because you've only got you, – you start five players. One out of five. And one, one, if you have a, a talented and dominant player, he himself can take over a game. Single-handedly. Single-handedly. Yeah. In baseball, that can't happen. Right. You just – you that is one of the ultimate game. You need work. that supporting cast with 11 players like in baseball. Yes. But, I mean, when you look at, obviously, you know, you talk Babe Ruth. You talk, you know, Mickey Mantle. You talk Luke. I mean, if you're going back and then you get in. I mean, even Hank Aaron, he was just known as a home run king. You know, Barry Bonds. But then, now, see, now now we're going into the rabbit hole of the whole steroid thing. Barry Bonds was, I mean, yes, home runs-wise. That's But from a fielding standpoint, that's why I think one of the greatest – I mean, I'm still partial to Ryan Sandberg, but I think honestly, pound for pound, when you combine it all, that who could hit, field, make plays. I mean, I. Bonds was just a hitter. Yeah, for me, he was the hitter. For me, it would have to be, and I wasn't a fan. I mean, I I, I respected him, but I was never a fan of the teams he played. But it was Ken Griffey Jr. I was just about oh, yeah. to say that Ken Griffey Jr. is probably yep. in my lifetime. When you take all the all the factors included is, like I said, with, with hitting, fielding, leading, and, and being clutch in big moments. Ken Griffey Jr., I think, has been the, com- the most complete baseball player that I've seen in my lifetime. And that's because that was a family-built tradition yeah. there with his father and yep. everything else. And uh, he was just and an Derek, all-around Derek, player. Derek Jeter's right there, even though I hate oh, the Yankees. But get, Derek Jeter oh, yeah. was another. You can't deny Jeter. Being the top five, I mean, you just can't. And and I put that of all time. I mean, you talk about Babe Ruth, yeah, but Babe Ruth back then, Babe Ruth is Babe. You had Babe Ruth, you had Ty Cobb, <laughs> and that was about it. Well, and that's you I know, mean, and period. You didn't even know any other ball. And I players. hate saying this, but then when you with the whole debate of when you talk about like Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain in basketball. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're the only two people probably on the face of the planet, let alone sports that are over seven foot tall, I mean, back in that day, it was, I mean, they were playing against five foot ten white dudes. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's who they were dominating. There wasn't a lot of black players. And, and, and honestly, I shouldn't even use the race because they had nothing to do with it. The fact that these guys were seven foot tall yeah. and everybody, everybody else was maybe – Anywhere from five ten to six one in the NBA, in the NBA back. They just then. dominated because of their stature. Yeah, and I and I hate taking that away from them because I know that they meant. I mean, sh- for the love of God, Bill Russell, I think won eleven championships with the Celtics. Mm-hmm. I can remember Old Chamberlain; he scored a hundred points. Yeah, and then, and then there you a, go in one game. Then he had the the famous you know the hundred point game, and then of course Kobe almost got it. He had eighty, 
Um, you know, but it's just it's just kind of crazy. But when you're going back to baseball, it's just so hard because there, there's just so many there's so many variables. And, and hockey, I mean, one one name sticks out to me. Gretzky, I'll, Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, I mean, so here you are. Well, you have well a, for me, it'd be Bobby Hall, or that played for. But the, still, Gretzky the, was the first. Yes. So here, here, yes. RC one seventy two years old. I'm fifty. Ryan's twenty two years old. All 71. three of us. Well, you're seventy one and nine tenths, <laughs> three quarters. Yeah, yeah. but uh, you are um, all three of us. Instantly, Wayne Gretzky came off our lips, mm-hmm. and f- so I mean that. Well, I don't think there's a single debate on on who the greatest hockey player of all time is. No, that that's true. Yeah. Well, I think that's true. and that was all the years that he played too. For for me, I just I don't I don't really watch much hockey. No, it's just no, when it's you think about hockey players, I don't care who you are if you know sports at all. Wayne Gretzky is the first person to yeah. come to mind for anybody. Yeah, yeah. And then you look at the world of tennis. Um, when you say tennis to me, as far as domination, my first person I, I that comes to my mind Serena Williams. I can't mm. think of any other. Oh, Jimmy Connors. With you. Jimmy Connors was my of course Jimmy Connors and. Chris Evert. But I still think uh, even though when even Billy Jean King. You talk about all the tennis players, even today, I mean, with Rafael Nadal and these guys, I still think that Serena has is still the, the goat in my I mean because I combine both men and women for that. You normally watch tennis? No, I don't, but I just, I watch sports and I just respect And that's a family thing because it's a sister duo there. That grew up, and you heard about them and the stature, how big they were, and they were they were just they were dominant in their sport. Yeah. But I I always go back to the will to compete. I mean, Serena was just a monster. She wanted oh. to destroy people, um, you know, along with Tiger Woods. And then and you go to golf, Tiger, Jack, Arnold. I mean, Bobby Jones. I mean, there's so many. Uh, Bobby Jones goes back even for any oh, of them. Oh yeah. I mean, there's that so was the great Walter Hagen. It's almost yeah. for me, as far as golf goes, it's almost um, for me. It's almost disappointing to watch a major without Tiger in it. It's, it's just not the same. He had that much of an effect on it's it. Just it's just like me watching, like we were sitting watching yesterday or watching the U.S. Open. I couldn't tell you probably five of the top six players that I was looking at. You I mean, I just I don't even know them or recognize them. I mean, unless you put. Um, Tiger in there, which Tiger is, he's not a starter right now, but uh, it Tiger, like Phil Mickelson. Tiger or, made the game so fun to watch. Oh, the, definitely. The effect he had. Yep. Now every time. And it was his youth that, coming in at such a young age, and, and he'd started in college. We started hearing about him when he was at Stanford. That well, we heard about knew, him way before Stanford. Oh, yeah, that you knew he was going to be something to watch. I'm excited to see his son. That's see what he exactly does. right. I just I hope that uh, Charlie follows in his footsteps. According to, I think everybody thinks that Charlie and uh, John Daly's son are going to be the. Uh, oh, you heard about John Daly's son? No, I really don't care about that one. <laughs> that's that's one guy I I just I can't think, I can't I, respect it, John Daly. I think golf though is the one, and, and tennis maybe a little bit too. When, when we talk about the other sports, where you just can't, or where a lot of people just look at pure like titles. Um, you know, like you do with MJ. I mean, MJ's got six, or Tom Brady with seven Super Bowls. But there's still going to be people that say that there's other people that might be better than them. Um, and haven't even won with, a Super Bowl. But with golf, golf, I mean, golf is the only sport. It's just you. 
I mean, so there you it. you really do have to look at the like number of majors won in t- tournaments to determine. I mean, so therefore, I mean, obviously Jack Nicholas in, until Tiger beats him, you know, Jack Nicholas probably still is the greatest of all. He had mm-hmm. he's won twenty major golf tournaments, twenty. And I think Tiger's at eighteen now. I, th- I think Tiger needs two more, which. I mean, it's it, this, the like, cards are stacked against it now. It's, but it's looking rough. Now. It's looking rough. I like to be at that game though. <laughs> when well. he when he goes for the tiebreaker, then yeah. Can if you he, imagine the does. crowd that will be there for that? I think just even getting once one, even getting to nineteen, I think at this point seems impossible for Tiger with with what he has to deal with physically. I, yeah, he's got more. There's yeah. there's a lot I, more. I had to turn the Masters off this year because seeing him not even able to finish his round, I think it was on the third round, he wasn't able to finish. Right. When you think of the that Masters, was hard to you watch. think of one thing, Tiger. Yeah. I mean, Masters, that word just brings about when he started off. That's, that's the only player, young age. maybe Rory, Rory um, and Dustin Johnson, but Tiger, that's who made golf fun to watch for me. Yeah. Oh, oh, for me too. I mean, I was, I, I grew oh, up. I think anybody. I was a huge Greg Norman fan growing up. I mean, he was yeah. next to Walter Payton. Greg Norman was probably my number. Well, and Ryan Sandberg, and then Greg Norman. I mean, I literally would watch, sit down Sunday and just watch him all sun Saturday and Sunday long, just watching him golf. The snake. Um, Fred, Fred Couple, the, the snake. He's the shark. The shark. I'm the sorry. Shark. Excuse me. The snake. Was, <laughs> that's that's Kenny Stabler was the snake. That's right. Yeah. My yes. <laughs> the shark. Notice how well he picked up on that. Real yes, fast. I'll always come quick, and it breaks my heart now. I mean, with Greg Norman, because a lot of the golf world is against him now for creating this whole li- now the whole live tour, and and he's orchestrated that, and and it's really broken my heart to where I really don't want to get into the detail. I don't want to look into the details because I'm not sure, you know, with if there's if there's merit to the hostility that's towards him. Which I I kind of think might be the case. So it, you know, be the same way if there ever got to be some you know bad things that came out about Walter Payton. I don't think I would ever want to hear about it. And I I kind of feel that way about Greg Norman because it seems like you know in this last year year and a half the entire golf world, you know, it's like he's become like the ultimate villain in golf. And I don't quite understand that just for wanting to create a, a separate tour, um, you know, because a lot of these these professional golfers have obviously made that switch and. Most of the big biggest names in golf, you know, really other than Tiger and Rory, I mean, almost all the other big dogs made the switch to the live. Um, you know, and that's that's another. I mean, <laughs> you could cre- you could have a twenty four hour long podcast on each between the MJ LeBron debate and now the the live versus PGA Tour. I mean, that those are those are the probably the two hottest debates that are in sports right now. I haven't really heard much of the golf debate, but and then you obviously don't follow golf much then on TV. Not on live, no. And I don't. Not I don't really. So, it, yeah. My extent of watching golf is seeing a tour pop up on the TV, like the, you know the U.S. Open, and I turn it on. And unless it's a major tournament, we usually don't watch. No, and that, yep. and that's how. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's how I am. I mean, if it's and even if it's a major, I'm going to look and see who's on the leaderboard, and if I don't know any of them, I'm not watching. You know, like today, when we get done here, I I really, really would love to see Ricky Fowler win. Mm-hmm. I really would because he's one of those that, you know, you, now you have all these people that where you you label athletes as the best 
the best that hasn't won. You have all of the, the, the elites that have titles under their names, and then you get these people that – and golf seems to be always the top sport that's like, well, he here's the best golfer now that hasn't won a major, and I think Ricky is is right there. And um, I don't think there's not too many people in the world of golf that doesn't like Ricky Fowler. I think the entire country is going to be going complete ape shit over Ricky Fowler today, especially if he wins. Do you realize that if Rob Klingeman was in – pro golf right now he would be on the senior tour <laughs> old man i am an old man he's 50 years old i'm 50 years old and 50 I, that you go to the seniors you're no longer but here's the thing if i was i would want to play in the live tour because in the live tour you don't have to make the cut that's what the live stands for is liv is the roman numeral for 54 which is that's how that's how many holes they play they don't do oh, i didn't realize they that. don't do no. a 36 hole cut and then I whoever it was a foreign thing, whoever doesn't make the cut doesn't get paid. If you're in a live tour event, I can go out there and I can shoot 20 over par every single day and come dead last. I'm still getting a paycheck. Hmm. So I'd be all about that. But that's one of the biggest things with the live tour. They only play 54 holes. They can wear shorts. I didn't and, realize And that. everybody gets paid. They're, they're from first all the way to dead last is getting a, an earnings check. 20 over par, I think I can do that. I think I could. I mean, what <laughs> difference is it? any sp- sport that your dad could wear shorts, he would, yeah. he'd be all over that one. What difference does it make? You're getting paid, you know, and versus the, the, the tour where you got to make the cut. If you don't make the cut after Thursday and Friday, you go home and you don't get a paycheck. That'd be kind of hard to tell the wife at home when you get back that you're not getting paid this week, kind of like the rodeo. Well, gentlemen, this has been fun. Um pretty much what I wanted to get into and it's it's been uh, a pleasure having all three of you on the microphone. It was fun talking that. Yeah. Yeah. Lots, a lot of di- different variations. And you can always segue this into a, another you know into many other podcasts on on a, you know like I said you can have your the number of podcasts that are already out there I'm sure between the the LeBron MJ um debate or you know, the greatest running back of all time with Walder and Emmett and Barry. I mean, those are the three that, you know, that come to my mind. And I won't even jump into that rabbit hole either because it, it just. It you had to see Michael yes. play to appreciate him. If you never saw him play in the days, you can't make an honest. Uh, see, and then where I co- comparison from my standpoint, him. the only time, the only screen time I get of Michael is watching the last dance. When that documentary came out, and that was a great one because it did bring out a lo- it did a lot of behind the scenes stuff that I think you got to see what yeah, separated I, him. I never knew about the no fly rule with the Pistons. That was pretty intense to watch, and just all the footage of Michael and practices and stuff like that. I think that's what really intense, very intense. Yes, um, just how competitive he was, and he pushed his teammates so hard that oh. he punched Steve Kerr in the face. Did. Didn't he? Was that Steve Kerr? He punched many teammates in the face oh, in well, practice. That's the one that I remember most t- them talking about on the documentary. But that's about as the extent of Michael Jordan that I was able to get. But when you, but he won six championships. Too. Yeah. So that's the price, though, that when you are one of the elites in your game, that's the price that you have to pay to to be that elite. Is that you? You have to set that standard, and most. And you are a bad boy in some respects. Nine times out of ten, you're not going to be liked by a lot of people just because the all everybody around you can't handle the level of competitiveness that you that they bring. I mean, Michael Jordan. I mean, him and 
him and Magic Johnson, I mean, we were trying to, <laughs> we were trying to close out the podcast, and here we go. I mean, him and Magic Johnson in the 92 Olympics for the Dream Team, they about got into a knockdown drag out in a hotel room over playing cards because Michael was so compa- – I mean, he even brought it – he is literally in the Dream Team at the Olympics, the ultimate team event and the bonding between all these guys, and he would have all these guys playing cards in the hotel room at night, and him and Magic Johnson about went at each other over playing cards. That's how competitive Michael was. So, once again, great time sharing the microphone with you two. It's been an honor. Always. Once once again, happy Father's Day, Dad. Love you. Thank you. Same to you. So, happy Father's Day to the both of you. Thank you. And uh, look forward to doing more podcasts with you. Uh, RC3. I hope it's that we do a four-generation thing someday. Woo. And it could uh, happen. It could happen. That's, I hope it that, does. That's a little <laughs> ways in the future, I think. Uh, Just a little. never know. And then I look forward to sharing the microphone with you, um, not only on podcasting, but uh, as, as I said, coming up this fall with uh, broadcasting some football games together. I'm looking forward to that. So... Uh, once again, we want to thank you for listening to the RC Sportscasting Podcast. Once again, don't forget to follow us on all the major social media platforms on Twitter and Facebook. And we want to thank you for listening. We will see you next time right here on RC Sportscasting. <laughs>